Hi there, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from a partly sunny, cloudy Key Largo. Yeah, like you really need to know that, you know, as the spring approaches, I guess the allure of coming to sunny, warm Florida Keys is kind of wearing off for some people because it's been warm up north. I know they hit the 80s in my old haunting grounds of the Philadelphia, New York region. So, you know, a lot of people start thinking about heading down. It's only a couple of weeks until uh, beach season starts up there. And uh, a lot of the places, they're going, I guess that's a reverse osmosis. Um, I just want to interject, if you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender show, we are a show about Keys life and bartending. And when I say reverse osmosis, we're going from our busiest of season. We got weekends coming here, but starting in a couple weeks down the Jersey Shore where I used to hang out. I'm sure like Padre Island, the Outer Banks, uh, the places on the uh, West Coast like Catalina Island, um, the fucking Catalina Wine Mixer <laughs> coming up. If you never saw Step Brothers, it may go over your head. But um, yeah, so... Your busy season's coming up for a lot of these people here. We've been through our busy season. We're kind of, we'll get some uh, upticks during our lobster lobster mini season. Mother's Day, Memorial Day, uh, all these other things coming up. You know, Labor Day. I don't want to put a cart before the horse there. But a lot of times I want to talk about restaurant business when things go wrong. There's not all downside to things going wrong in a restaurant. Yeah, if you lose power, that's pretty downsize. That's pretty much a solid downside when you lose power. You lose lights, you lose uh, cooling, you lose a lot of, uh, God, AC, fans. Uh, if you have entertainment, jukeboxes, televisions, and things like that, that's pretty bad And a lot of times. Uh, but almost... Any other time, most times, you can always, almost always find a workaround. Almost always find a workaround. I've been working in places when they lost their stove and they had to use their, only use their ovens. Or vice versa, lose their ovens and have to use their stove. Lose, uh, lose their fryers. Now, you obviously won't be able to do any fried, but then you'd have to do some things that are baked. It'd be a little longer, you'd have to restrict your orders and things like that. But generally, my purview is with the bar. And recently, the bar I was working at, you know, with uh, family-owned restaurants, you don't automatically, when you have equipment that's working, you don't normally change it out. If it's working, you stick with it. Right? It's all about overhead. And uh, we recently got a new, brand new keg cooler that's making us uh, nice money and all that stuff. But what happened was our beer cooler went down. And like many bars, we do a lot of bottled beer. And we use multi-purpose that uh, beer fridge because it has a little shelf on the side. We put all the things we like to keep cold, like the uh, tequila uh, certain shots people like, like if you like uh, rumple mints or fireball, things like that. And some people out there, they say gar- fireball is garbage. I, I have never, I don't know 
when I was drinking if I've ever tasted Fireball. But I imagine it just tastes like cinnamon and whiskey-like because I'm pretty sure there's no whiskey in Fireball. Because I seen it served at the, I seen it sold at the Circle K, which is a gas station convenience store down here, and they only sell uh, wine and beer. So if they're selling the little bottles of Fireball, that must mean there's no liquor in there. It must be a malt liquor or something like that. They can serve like a fortified malt liquor, and that's about it. So um, when our cooler went down. We had to bring a, uh, we have this other upright cooler that you could put ice in and we put bottled beers in. Now that size of that cooler holds about one eighth, if that, one eighth of the total beers that you can put in our um, refrigerated cooler. You know, we have to dump ice on there. And when you have to dump ice on something, if more ice you put, more ice you get, once you go above the top, you really don't see what's underneath. I'm going to pause for a second. My daughter's walking in, so I don't want to be interrupted. So my daughter just came from uh, home from school, and I like to do a little exchange of that. What I was talking about earlier was, or earlier, what was 15 seconds ago, that when you cover up all the beers with ice and then you got water and stuff like that, and you ever get that thing where you're searching around, you really can't, uh, it's harder to find things. I'm not going to go into deep down, uh, uh, a deep dive on that. It's not like a big cooler that you use at home at a party and things like that. We're talking about a fifty a fifty gallon cooler, and it's it's black, so you don't see inside it. You have to reach down and pull stuff out. So your the accessibility and selection aren't all there. But the nice thing about it, it shows you that. What do you really need? What In this case, when we were doing it, we made a realization that the cooler we had before was way too big than our requirements. And we didn't need a big one. See, the bigger the, bigger the cooler is, the, the, the more uh, space it takes up, the more energy it uses, the more clutter you have. The more clutter. You ever see people, if you go to a house where people have walk-in closets... You know, the more closet space people have, they have a tendency to fill that up. Same thing with desk and tabletops. People that do knickknacks, they just seem to gather shit. And they bring it in and they pile on and on and on. And what happens with these big beer coolers, when you're serving, let's say you have 18 beers, right? And about six of those beers on that list are specialty beers. And you don't really you don't really get people drinking those often. You know? And you have a tendency to leave them there. And they get buried in the cooler. But there's always primary ones, like your big domestic pilsners and stuff like that. I'm not advertising, I'm not avoiding it, but you know what I'm talking about. Bud Light, Bud, Coors, Miller Light, Miller. Uh, and then imports like Heineken, Corona. And then we have we have uh, Guinness, Red Stripe. But there's whole weekends sometimes where we don't serve any Guinness or Red Stripe or any of the other specialty ones. So they're just sitting around. And the problem with that many times is when you have uh, space for 
you you just load up beer all your beer in, into a cooler it sits there it sits there on the bottom and when you get low and sometimes you can end up if you don't rotate your beer properly and you don't go through you don't have enough traffic to get it then it could sit there for months and months and months now Miller made a big show of it years ago. They were talking about it, about born-on dates for their beer. And if the beer goes past that date, they take it out. Well, it's not, you know, beer, I, many times beer's like that. I, I guess if it's in a clear bottle, like Miller Genuine Draft, if you have it exposed to light, yes, it can turn. But I've never had a beer that has turned. Now, I wasn't a big beer drinker. I was more of a bourbon drinker. But I've seen that happen to certain liquors that have natural flavors and stuff like that. So I can see it happening to a beer. So it's good to have, when you have that smaller space, that you use it more intelligently. And then you rotate that. And you have limited excess there. And you don't start putting uh, one of my, I know they may, I don't think they're listeners. My coworkers do not listen to my podcast. Because this isn't necessarily all about, this isn't a restaurant podcast, but I do give these hints to people that might be curious on how bars and restaurants run. So that's what it's for. So this person has this liquor in there called Dr. McGillicuddy. It's a menthol liquor. It's almost like a Salem cigarette in a bottle, except for the smoke. But it probably kills you just as much. I mean, I, I've i never had anybody ask me for Dr. McGillicuddy, except the person that put it in there. Oh, yeah, my friends all drink it. They love Dr. McGillicuddy, blah, 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 blah. It's pretty much, I think it's akin to um, Anazette. And if you're a bartender, if you've been, and if you're not a bartender and you don't know what Anazette is, don't worry about it. You'll probably never have it. You know, you'll, you unless you show up on uh, Jeopardy and it's Italian liqueur category, so that may show up there. But there's these rarely used ones that you don't have to have because first of all, if someone orders it, there's only one person going to order it, and they're going to have two shots. So you got to be thinking about it and just. And like I said in a previous episode, you can have all the liquors in the world, all the beers in the world. The problem with that is that you're not going to use them all and you're going to wind up with one sitting around for a while. When I first came into uh, one of my restaurants I worked at, I I was pulling out beer out of a, a fridge and I noticed this, these bottles of Peroni, which is a great Italian beer. But it's not very popular. And I looked at it and I and I just knew by looking at it. You could tell some of these coolers they get when they get water in the bottom, they get a little rust. So there's little rust stains on the bottom of the bottle. And I said, Wow, that really looks appetizing. You know? I mean there's probably if there's a guy sitting along the road with his worldly belongings, if you give him a nice cold Peroni that's in a uh, rust-stained bottle. He's not going to complain about it, but most other people might. So what we learned from the cooler, to backtrack here, to learn about the cooler breaking down 
and using the uh, upright 50-gallon cooler with wheels on it was we don't need, if we could do make do with something that holds about one-eighth the amount of beers that we used before, then obviously we don't need that big a cooler. Now, we didn't make do easily with that black cooler, so we can make one do with one that's about four times or half the size. And actually, we're, I think they purchased it, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed because it's been about two weeks. It's been since I came down. I told you about my, you know, everyone who's a regular listener on the show knows I had a health incident. I was out of work for about five weeks or four, four weeks exactly. And when I started back, I opened up the cooler and there was nothing in it. And I see this other cooler there and they said, yeah. And I said, well, I'm no Sherlock Holmes, but I see the upright cooler that's not plugged in with ice in it and beer. And I see the empty electric cooler. I'm thinking that's broken, right? And I go, what are, what is our plans? So we're going to get a new one. Now, this is approximately two weeks later. And when I was driving by work yesterday, which is a regular um, a regular day off, when the one day off that were closed during the week on Monday, I saw four vehicles parked in front of the building, two owners and two other people. And I assumed, and I it kept me happy. I didn't stop. I didn't call. I didn't message because that just made my day. I saw that we may have gotten a new cooler in. Now, I'm hoping when I look at that cooler tomorrow, when I go in tomorrow morning, I'm going to see it all set up and not loaded with stuff. Okay? Because some people have this uh, thing. You ever see these people, and I'm not... I'm not trying to be a sexist, but there's small handbag ladies and there's big handbag ladies. And the big handbag ladies fill those handbags with stuff. Obviously, the small handbag ladies don't do that. You know, obviously, they make do with less. And there's guys, too. You know, that's why they make cargo pants. So they can, when you see guys, they have tons of shit in their cargo pants or other guys don't have too much stuff, you know, or there's fanny pack guys with big fanny pack. So they just need to have more stuff with them. I'm hoping the person that filled that cooler was a small handbag person or a non, oh, well, I'm the only other guy that would fill, the, uh, fill that cooler. I'm hoping that it was a person that doesn't collect clutter. Because, you know, but we learned we learned something from something else. And it's going to save us in the long run. It's going to make more room. We're just moving around our bar area. We moved our, I think they moved our beer glasses across from our chilled beer glasses across from our draft system, which is, you know, just a small walkway, about two feet. So that's easier. And you moved our liqueur bottles where we had on a separate one, they put all our liquor, speed rack liquors, all in a row. So we're going to be more systematic in our approach. And that'll make us more efficient. And I'm all big believer in efficiency. Right? Efficiency is great. Well, that's enough about that. The next thing I wanted to talk about today was 
saying things and, and down here in the Keys is the same as any place else. But since we're in, uh, I guess, crossroads, I call this place a crossroads like many places in, in the United States. We are a mobile uh, society and people come from all different parts of the country, all different parts of the world. Right. And everyone has different colloquialisms or accents. And a couple times, I have to say this, um, my wife, when she, um, she was trying to tell me about someone who was a peer of the realm in Great Britain. It was a count, a count, C-O-N-C-O-U-N-T. And the way she said it, it sounded like, uh, I don't want to say the word because I, even though I'm allowed to say that, this is the one word, the harshest word you can, curse word you can say. And the British people have an easy way of saying it. They have an easy way. I've never had uh, an easy way of saying that word. But the uh, acronym for the word is see you next Tuesday or the initials of see you next Tuesday. And see you is spelled with a C and you instead of a Y, it's spelled with a U. But next Tuesday, line up. And she said, and I thought she's calling the person that word. And they asked her several times. She goes, yes, he's a blank. And I go, really? And I understood after a while when she was referring to it that she wasn't referring to that because that's not a word that she has, has regularly used before. She's used the B word for people. Uh, she called people shitheads, assholes, all those things. But she's never called them the C words. Yeah. And uh, so I just feel that when you're saying things, you got to be really careful. And if you don't have a, I had a friend that worked with me in catering and he was uh, my manager at the time. And he uh, was doing a sales uh, for a wedding sales package. He was doing a presentation. And I was in the office. Uh, I think I was making some photocopies of, uh, um, of a announcement sheet we used for a wedding, you know, for introducing the bridal party and the music and all this stuff. So I was making that. And he's talking to these people. And I hear him says, uh, something similar to, hey, you know, it's not like I haven't done weddings for uh, old fucks like you. Now, he meant to say, it's not like I haven't done weddings for old folks like you. First of all, I wouldn't have called them old folks. And if I had a comf- if I ever had a confusion between folks and fucks, I would never even use the word folks anymore. Now, folks is really close. I'm going to have to wait. I'm sorry. Let me turn that off. You like, that's my ringtone. So if you have a problem with saying folks and fucks and count, and I'm not going to say that, you know, I would think twice. And there's all sorts of things. I'm on the phone uh, with the wife the other day, and I think I'm talking, what am I talking about? I'm talking about a conversation I'm having uh, with someone 
and she asked if something something and I made I might have said oh no something and she thought I said fuck you and I go well I don't think I would have thrown that out first of all it wasn't a situation for that and second of all it wasn't the words I said but when you're talking on the phone it's really easy to misconstrue that and coming down here when people are talking like I would automatically assume if someone I don't understand what they're saying if they're saying something that may sound like it's obnoxious and rude I'll wait I'll wait for them I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and I'll think well oh let's let's hear the uh, context of what they're saying you know what exactly are you saying how are they saying it before I respond to that because I've seen many people get tremendously offended by uh, things that weren't meant that way. Now, I've offended people many times by saying something on purpose. I don't know if you recall, uh, a couple years ago, I had someone come in and they were attempting to uh, order food. And I'm taking their order and they're giving me a whole... uh, their order and they say, listen, I would like, do you have any gluten-free bread or any substitute or anything like corn tortillas? Because I can't do gluten. I'm gluten intolerant. Do you understand? And I said, yes, I understand. I'm Amish intolerant. I cannot tolerate the Amish. And that person thought I was making light of their uh, gluten-free tolerant, you know, they're being gluten intolerant. And you know what? They were correct at the time. I was making fun of it because I realized that um, a lot of people, uh, it was about six years ago, a lot of people were coming up or seven years ago and they were, everyone was gluten intolerant. They were all kind of go gluten-free and you can go gluten-free, but you didn't have to go and say you were gluten intolerant. Because there's, you can be, you can not want to eat gluten and not be gluten intolerant. So this person got upset and said, you're making light of this. And so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you and stuff like that. And I didn't really mean to offend them. I meant to be funny. Uh, but to forward uh, the pace of the story here, a month or two later, this person comes back and orders a cheeseburger but doesn't ask for anything gluten-free. So I guess they were uh, have suddenly healed of their gluten intolerance. But they heard me correctly. I, I really, and the nice thing about talking to foreigners that barely understand me, uh, they... Um, I think a lot of times we do, you know, using some type. I have some smattering understanding of multiple languages. And people that come here most of the time do make uh, the, um, they do make the effort to learn, you know, the local languages. 
And we get a lot of people that are Spanish people. They come from different parts of the world. And uh, they'll they'll just make the assumption, which is a good assumption, that there's a great possibility that the person they're going to be dealing with will understand Spanish. And I do understand Spanish, enough of it to order. But I understand slow Spanish, not fast Spanish. So when you have to talk to me, you know, when if you're Spanish and you need to talk to me, you got to talk to me like you were talking to a four-year-old in Spanish. You know, you wouldn't go, blah, 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 the four-year-old. I mean, if you're giving specific instructions to a four-year-old, I mean, I wonder under, you know, unless a four-year-old is one of those prodigies, you know, I... If I'm going to say, listen, you need to go in a room, you need to take off your clothes, you're going to need to do and separate your, your darks from your whites and t- put them in the whites into the dryer of the washer and, the, and the, the darks into the laundry basket. And the four, you know, the four-year-old will follow those pre- precisely. No, they won't. So when you talk to a four-year-old, honey, go in your room, take your clothes off, put your jam- jammies on. Okay? They can handle that. You do it slow. Honey, go to your room. You go slow it down. And that's how you should order if you're dealing with someone like that. So I get people all the time that call me. Uh, sometimes at the restaurant. Not so much at the restaurant, but for my notary services. I have a notary service on the side. And I hear them say notero and blah, 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 blah. And they're looking to get um, notary services and they're just going... And I go, well, listen, I'm trying to, I'm trying to ask them to slow it down. Habla espanol un poquito. You know? I mean, they could say, it's just my pronunciation. If you're a Spanish speaker, you say, he was trying to say he speaks Spanish a little. So when someone says something like that, you expect them to go, uh, necessity. Uh, let's say necesitamos un uno or one or un I don't know you have to go uh, notario and you can say uh, allí meaning there or um, aquí here and no, they don't say that. They just go, blah, 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 blah. And if they, can't, if they don't slow down, and they don't slow down, I go like this, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Now, I am not one of those people that think that because you're in the United States, you have to speak English. I don't. You don't have to do anything in the United States if you don't want to, really. I mean, you really do. You have to abide the laws and things like that. But you don't have to learn English. But if you do want to conduct business it would be nice if you lived here that you would learn a couple words of that or make accommodation by speaking a little slower just speak a little slower I try to do it I know I'm a fast speaker so um, that's my message today for I don't know if I'm going to get any Spanish speakers now but if you're any um uh, for any any of these people, I'm just thinking. Just pass the word along. If you're, oh, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna say goodbye. I'm gonna take this phone call, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>